from the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles. Kate Turkington has traveled there, and now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. A very, very good afternoon to you. It's 101.9 High FM. I'm Kate Turkington, and we're going travelling uh, together again. And by the way, if you want to find podcasts of previous programmes, I've talked about St. Helena. I had lovely, lovely, uh, some lovely feedback about St. Helena from a saint. You remember I told you last week, or we were sharing last week, that uh, the people of St. Helena are called saints. He left St. Helena, become a multimillionaire, gone back to St. Helena, setting up a, a very bespoke fishing business. This came about solely as a result of me talking about St. Helena or, or him getting in touch uh, with me. So all my past podcasts from all countries. We've done Namibia, we've done Morocco, we've done India, we've done all sorts more to come. How do you access them? You go to the High FM website, which is highfm.com. You go to the weekly program. It shows you there'll be a program Monday who's on, Tuesday who's on. Go to Sunday, find my name at 12 noon, click on my name, and all the podcasts will come up, and then you can listen to uh, whatever you uh, like. You can also, of course, get hold of me personally at kate at high.co.za. And as I always explain to you, because the tagline of the station, as you know, is you don't have to be Jewish. Those of you who don't know how high is spelled, it's C-H-A-I. It's a lovely Jewish word for life and love. So Kate at high, C-H-A-I dot C-O Okay, so this week I thought we wouldn't go too far afield. I've been planning a trip. I do a, a, a trip every year. I take a few people somewhere wonderful or different. And looking at the airfares at the moment, they, I mean, even in South Africa, they're, they're, they've rocketed. But international airfares have, are almost half as much again as they were uh, a couple of years ago. So we live in one of the most beautiful, amazing, diverse countries in the world. So we've got to keep going uh, local, I think, where it's perhaps more affordable. And I thought this week I'd talk about the Northern Cape. It's such an undersung province, the Northern Cape. You probably stopped at Kimberley or somewhere when you've been en route to the Cape or or whatever. But how many of you have actually travelled within the Northern Cape? And let me let me just tell you before I go into detail, its appeal really is 
that sense of isolation, very sparse but remarkable vegetation, sometimes almost lunar landscapes, moon landscape, often often compared to America's wild uh, west, the stars, the the, the star-filled. Uh, nights and it's a huge area the northern cape it's 372,889 square kilometers and that is absolutely huge just think let me give you a comparison that's a third bigger than the whole of the united kingdom a third bigger than the united kingdom the whole of the united kingdom that includes Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland and just a population of 1.3 thereabouts million people most of whom of course are concentrated in the little towns so Northern Cape I'm going to suggest some places for you to go some you will have heard of some you will never have heard of I have been to most of them the ones I haven't been to but I've got a lot of information about is from a colleague Keith Bain who also writes for the International Guide uh, Foders so he's also been a source of information where I haven't been somewhere uh, actually first hand so stay with us And after the break, I'm going to give you top reasons why you should go to the Northern Cape. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Welcome back on a 1.9 High FM. It's Kate Turkington, and this afternoon we're talking about the Northern Cape. And I'm going to give you, before I go to specific places, I'm going to give you some very good reasons to go. Well, first of all, if you want to get off the beaten path, the size of the Northern Cape, and it's got a slightly mysterious character. So... What it is, it's South Africa's least discovered province, where less is really more and very much more affordable than some of the more very lonely places in Mpumalanga or the Cape or KZN. I mean, the scenery is amazing. You've got almost mesmerizing moonscapes uh, sometimes. There are awesome in the real sense of the word, not, oh, it's awesome, awesome. They fill you with awe, some of these uh, isolated landscapes. You've got just one thing I've been thinking of. You get these curious communal nests 
of the sociable weavers. Sociable weavers build communal nets, sometimes they're as big as a small cottage. They're weighing down a tree. Every little bird has its own entrance and exits, like a huge condominium. They're remarkable when you see them bowing down the thorn trees. You've got those strange-looking quiver uh, trees, and, of course, you've got the incredible red sand of the Kalahari dunes. And then, of course, in spring, of course, you've got the flowers. You've got Namakwa land, uh, easily reached from uh, Cape Town, and you have to see them to believe them. As I said to you previously, stars. The stars are rife with billions of stars. I haven't yet personally been to Sutherland, where the SCAR telescopes are. We're leading the world in South Africa with our telescopes, reaching deep, deep, deep into those millions of universes we still know so little about but wonderful stars. And then if you go to game reserves in the Northern Cape, the game is very different. You'll see more cheetahs, you'll see more rhino, you'll see the oryx, uh, that beautiful desert uh, antelope. Very few, very few elephants. Now, it's it's a vast, vast place to travel, as I've told you, because on a first trip, you probably only see a very small part of it. Maybe, as I suggested, Namakland in Flower, Kalahari, Gimbali, um, very easily visited, as I say, from uh, Cape Town, the Western Cape, whereas Kimberley, Kalahari, far more accessible from Johannesburg. And you probably, many of you probably did school trips to Kimberley. Still the largest man-made hole on earth, 2,690 feet deep. I didn't convert that to uh, metres. Capital of the Northern Cape, beautiful, beautiful uh, old buildings, museums, art galleries. Bit run down today, but still well worth a visit. Art galleries, museums. And if you do go, uh, I don't think I've told you this before, but you've got to do the ghost route, which takes you to Kimberley Club and the Africana Library. Why the Africana Library? It was the first library in South Africa, stunning library still. They brought out an English librarian who fiddled the books. They've, <laughs> unintentional pun, and they found him out and he committed suicide by drinking poison, very unpleasant uh, death. But his ghost haunts the Africana Library, and I've heard so many tales of people going in there and suddenly the books will fly off the shelves or there are strange noises. And, of course, outside Kimberley, you've got the battlefield, the Anglo-Board, the South African War battlefield of Marsfontein, which fascinates me because this is where the Boers totally outplayed, uh, totally outplayed the... Um, or outmaneuvered the British. And it was the Highland Brigade. It was the Scottish Highland Brigade. They advanced across the very flat plains of Marsfontein, and the Boers had dug themselves into trenches, and they had Mauser rifles. And I know very little about 
rifles are armoury, but I do know the Mauser rifle has a very flat trajectory. So the Highland brigades marched, the pipes swirling, and they were mown down. They were absolutely massacred on the spot. And those who didn't die by being shot, it was a hot, hot, hot day in December, or was it November? Um, anyway, it was a hot, hot day in South African summer in Kimberley. You know how hot it gets. And, of course, they were Scots. What were they wearing? They were wearing kilts. So they lay face down on the battlefield trying to avoid the rifle fire from the boys in their trenches. They died of sunburn. The backs of their necks, the backs of their legs, uh, they became dehydrated. Hundreds of them died of exhaustion and sunburn and dehydration. When you do the ghost tour, you'll be told on a moonlit night when the moon is full and you listen carefully and you watch carefully, you can see the ghostly shapes of the stretcher bearers and you can hear a lone piper playing his bagpipes, this lone, lone, desolate sound over the battlefield of Mothersfontein. Worth doing, people. And then Uppington, if you're going to the Transkamahadi, you'd go through Uppington. But it's a very good location to explore the wineries of the Northern Cape. Maybe you don't know about the Northern Cape wineries. Have a look. Go on to uh, sandparks.org or go Google uh, Google uh, Uppington and the wineries. You'll find all the information there because it's on the banks of the Orange River, uh, remember. And just outside Uppington, there's a camel farm. I'm not quite sure if you can still ride camels there, but you can get camel's milk. And if you're into this whole top, top, top healthy living thing, Camel's milk, apparently, I've drunk, I drank camel's milk in Ethiopia with some tribesmen way in the desolate uh, west of the country. It's quite pleasant, actually. They just milked the camel, and it was in a big, big bowl, and it was all frothy and warm, and I thought, ooh, but actually it was very pleasant. But uh, a camel farm, if you just Google camel farm up in York, you can order milk, very, very healthy, apparently, and... You used to be able to ride camels. I'm not sure you can still uh, do that. And, of course, another national park in um, Northern Cape is Ochrabis, the noisy terrace waterfall. Huge, huge, largest falls by volume of water in South Africa, and they plunge into an 18-kilometre gorge. Well, so much else to tell you about the Northern Cape. You probably know about the... Uh, um, I have to always work out how to pronounce this. Kalahogadi Transfrontier Park. It's the planet's largest cross-border nature and wildlife reserve. Remember, it runs from South Africa into Botswana. Wonderful camps. Um, that park was the first park in South Africa to have wilderness camps. Okay, you need a 4 by 4 to get to them, but when you get there, maybe there's four chalets and you'll have lions dozing outside your tent. So, Northern Cape, do it, think about it. And just last thing, because this is one of my favourite places, there's a little town called Pella, P-E-L-L-A, 
Why do I love Pella? I'll tell you a quick, quick story. Hundreds, 150 years ago, two French priests, Father Simon and Brother Leo, built a cathedral in Pella. They built it by hand. They made the bricks. It's got flying buttresses. It's got 52 windows. How did they know how to build it? They had an old French encyclopedia. They built that beautiful cathedral in Pella. You can still go there today. You can see the figure of Jesus that brother, I think it was Father Simon, carved with his penknife out of wood. Remarkable, remarkable little place. So, forget the south of France, forget Disneyland, forget Euro Disney or whatever. Go to the Northern Cape. There's some wonderful, wonderful places there. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Good afternoon again, 101.9 High FM. Got such a special guest uh, with me today. I'm not going to tell you her name first. I'm just going to tell you some, some of the things she's done because she's done so much in her short life. She was head of responsible business at Old Mutual. She's been a director of, I don't know, how many corporations and banks and Lord knows what. She's a business advisor on sustainability. She's a graduate. But what I want to tell you, what I love about her, she's a long-distance runner and she's a mountaineer, locally and internationally. Now, just listen to this. She's completed 10 comrades, 10 comrades, 10 Two Oceans Ultramarathons. Think about that. She's completed six finisher star medals for world major marathons. So let me tell you some of the world major marathons she's run. She's run the Tokyo one, the Berlin one, the New York one, the Paris one, the London one, the Boston one, the Chicago one. She's got medals for the Paris and the Great Wall of China marathon. And she has just, just a few weeks ago, completed the Istanbul and Athens marathon. Doesn't stop there. Keep listening. She summited Mount Kilimanjaro, but more than that, she was the first black woman to climb Mount Elbrus in Russia, and that's the highest mountain in Europe. And, of course, she's done the Mafadi Peak here in South Africa, the highest peak. Oh, my word, can you? So welcome, <laughs> first of all. And how did it all start? 
can ye? And what I will tell you all is she's dropped a gorgeous as well. <laughs> <laughs> How did it all start? Thank you so much for having me on your show, Mama Kate, and thank you for such a wonderful intro. It all started from just having a dream, being a girl from Soweto, coming from a family of 13, very difficult and challenging backgrounds, that one day I will come out of my situation and I want to travel and see the world. My name being Kanye, I've always been conscious that it means the one who brings light. And for me to be able to be the light to my family, to my community, I needed to do all those these things. I do them for fundraising, to create awareness by challenging myself to do whatever I can in running and in mountaineering. So it was a social conscience to do something about my situation in a way that challenges me physically and mentally. And how difficult was it, can you? Um, it was, it, I mean, these adventures are very difficult. Running a marathon is not just on the day, it's about the preparation for the marathon. Combrace Marathon, 98 kilometers, doesn't start on the day itself. Six months of your life is overtaken by preparation. Mountaineering, one of the most difficult, especially a mountain like Kilimanjaro, because it's about the mindset, but physical preparation as well. And when you are actually on the mountain itself, it's even more difficult because this is where it's about simple things like breathing. Where do I get my oxygen? How do I move to the next step? On mountain like Mount Elbrus, minus 24 degrees, it's about how do I keep warm, especially for a black girl who's so afraid of the cold. <laughs> so it's the bigger, bigger reason why I'm there that keeps me going. Otherwise, it would be so easy to give up. And, and what is that bigger reason? It's more than me. It's about those that I represent. I'm a foster mother to over 13 children, as you know. Mm-hmm. I assist to help with their education. So I do these adventure sports so that I can raise funds for my children. And I'm also passionate about women issues, the vulnerable members of the, our communities, the gender-based violence issues. So if I'm faced with a mountain like Mount Elbrus, I see it as a similar challenge to the people that I'm representing. And therefore, that keeps me going to the summit because I know if I don't, I would either be letting myself down and letting those who are looking up to me down as well. And I can't afford to do that. And how how difficult those early days when you were trying to get money together to study architecture. I mean, you, you were a black girl working for these very um, super white firms. How How did that play out? The most difficult thing was in an era in South Africa where we were going through major difficulties as a country. So again, being an African black little girl coming from Soweto, you want to be an architect. It didn't make sense to the architectural firms at the time because firstly, I did not have the bigger understanding. I had no exposure. I mean, my family, we were raised by a single mother, a hardworking mother who never went to school herself. Not only did she raise her 13 children, 
but she was also a foster mother and adopted many other children from the community. So the resources were very scarce. Being the last born of the family, my name being Kanye, I was expected to be the one who was going to take the family out of our situation. So I was very conscious of my responsibility. I was fortunate enough to have been raised by a mother who could show me that it's all about hard work. I did not expect anybody to take me out of our difficult situation. My attitude was nobody owed me anything. And therefore, I had to work from early age to pay for my own education. So once my mother was a domestic worker, she was a seamstress, she was a cleaner at um, various stations across the province in Gauteng, I was working next to her, helping her to bring money to the family, but also educating myself. And I know, can you do a lot of motivational speaking, and I know in particular to, to girls, to young women, what do you say to them, can you? The most important thing that I say, and it's my mantra in life, nobody owes you anything. You owe it to yourself to be the best that you can be, particularly to young girls. If you look at how our young girls are facing challenges differently today, it's almost like the government must do something for me. My, my mother owes me something. Or particularly, I may get a partner in a form of a boyfriend or in a form of a future husband, or even a blesser, for a blesser. in that instance, or even a blesser. Yeah. I use my story as a testimony that you can choose differently. You can choose in terms of what you believe about yourself, what you know for sure about yourself, and how you put yourself out there. I worked. I never expected my father, who was never there, to support us. I come from a family where our father would disappear, and come back and cause chaos in the family and disappear. So I am a, I'm, I'm an activist and I'm passionate about gender-based violence because I was exposed to it even as a child. But my mother never sat down and became a victim to the man she, she was married to at the time. So I tell young girls, you are not a victim. Nobody owes you anything. And if you put your mind to it and work hard, you can change your situation. And how how do they receive this? I'm sure they, they listen very intently because you're such a role model. Thank you, Mama Kay. You know, what makes it believable is when you show people, I'm telling my own story. Mm-hmm. I can show photographs of what I've done. I can show the background where I come from. I, I, I am a living example of how possible it is to take yourself out of a situation. It's something totally different when somebody tells you about somebody else's story, when they tell you about what's happening in the movie, when they tell you about somebody that you can't relate to. And therefore, the girls can relate to somebody who comes from a background that was even far worse than theirs at the time. We never had the role models that our young girls have today because they have, they have us. We, I have you. You've been my role model ever since we met. Well, thank your you. Girls, uh, your girls have become my inspiration ever, ever since I've met them. So it is much more believable when somebody tells you their story and they've lived it and they come from a background that you can relate to. And that makes it much more meaningful and believable. 
And Kenny, I mean, you've been running, you've been running marathons for years. When did you first decide to climb mountains? My mother was on her deathbed and she was um, dying from cancer. You would remember my mother, you yes, came I to do. see her. Um, after having suffered so many years raising us, at the time when her life was okay, because Kenya was working now, taking care of her, and even my brothers and sisters, we were now there for her so that she could live her life, and the days of her life were coming to an end. And I decided to challenge myself and climb the mountain, because I knew that facing life without my mother was going to be that difficult for me because she had become such a beacon of light for me. And I had made her become a symbol of resilience and a symbol of a sustained life. And there her life was coming to an end. So I came, I went to climb my first mountain, Kilimanjaro, to challenge myself in line with how my mother's life has been. And also Mount Elbrus was continuing on the journey of coming up with a challenge of saying, if my mother was here, what is it that she could have done to continue supporting the many children that I am now responsible for? So it was on basis of honoring my mother's legacy and turning the the difficult situation that I was facing in losing her and making it a challenge for me to overcome even much more bigger challenges. And um, um, when you climbed Kilimanjaro, I know you were with a group of big, tough guys. Uh, how yes. did they react to you? I mean, you're very slim. You're, you're a little person. You're not a big person at all. You're slim and trim and beautiful. How How did they react to you? You know, the most wonderful thing about mountaineering is that as a team of fellow climbers, you become family. The mountain is an equalizer, Mama Kate. When you get there, there is no CEO, there's no architect, there's no engineer, there's no cleaner. All of us are equal in front of a mountain. So we treated each other as equal partners. But what was also most amazing, those who seemed to be physically strong, they battled on some of the days on the mountain. So there were moments at the team, as a team where we had to position ourselves differently. Day one, as an example, I was leading because I was much, much stronger. On the following day, somebody else would take the lead because they would be stronger. So mountaineering teaches you the whole concept of achieving together, taking care of each other, no competition, and just focusing on how are you going to summit together as a team? There is nothing that brings the reality of we are all the same. We mm-hmm. all have the same goals and we all have the same capabilities if we give each other a chance. And, and the mountain in Russia? Tell us about Mount that. Elbrus, Mount Elbrus was the most difficult adventure ever for me. As I said, I've got the fear of the cold, and it is a technical climb. Unlike Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro is more like you are trekking, because, yes, there is ice, there could be snow, but it's not glacier. It's not hard and fixed like it is on Mount Elbrus. And therefore, in Mount Elbrus, we needed to be taught and trained differently on how to climb. It was highly important to use a totally different gear. As an example, the type of shoe that you use at Mount Elbrus, 
it has to grip and make sure that you can sit and stick on the eyes. It has to provide you the support. Otherwise, it's very easy to fall off that mountain. There's very high number of people who don't come out alive of Mount Elbrus. So I went there knowing very well that this was going to be the toughest challenge for me ever. And by the way, there's been other women, and I <laughs> I listened to said I'm the first black. I'm the first black South African woman to have run all the major world marathons around the world. So it says women have the capability to overcome. And it's not about competing with men. It's about showing that if we also given the same opportunities, we can put ourselves on any mountain, how, no matter how difficult or how, te- uh, how technical it is. And you've, I mean, now you've traveled to so many places, Kanye. Do you have a favorite? You know, my favorite place, um, and funny enough, is the one place that I traveled with you, Tibet. Oh. You and I did the trip. I've been to over, I mean, I was looking at my, where I've been over a hundred places internationally, mm-hmm. but Tibet still stands out. It stands out because firstly, it's the people that you travel with. Traveling becomes much more enjoyable, meaningful if you have people with similar outlook. Mm-hmm. What we did at our Tibet trip, we became a family. And we lost, we left everything about being South African and simply embraced whatever Tibet was giving to us at the time. For me, it stands out. The culture, the religious um, beliefs of the Tibetans, their demeanor. And I think also being in a place where people had never seen a black people, a black person before. <laughs> it was me and Molly. And I think capturing the imagination and challenge and the attention of that whole country still tops number one I, for me. I have to, I have to tell a story here. We were in Lhasa, which is the capital of Tibet. And there's a famous square called the Jokang Square with um, a very famous temple. And pilgrims come from all over. Tibet to to pay their respects at this temple. Um, my friend Kanye, as I said to you, she's dropped dead gorgeous, and at the time she had braids. She had beautiful braids, and we walked in as a family, as a small group, into Jokhan Square, and there was a platoon of Chinese soldiers and snipers all around the roofs as well. Uh, China's been very belligerent towards Tibet. And there was this platoon of Chinese soldiers, like toy soldiers. They were all marching perfectly in step. And Kenya and Molly walk into the square. They'd never seen a black person before. They'd never seen two drop-dead gorgeous women like this. And the first one fell, and they went down like dominoes. They all went boop, 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 boop. And the whole platoon fell flat on their <laughs> fell flat on their uh, faces. And then together we got to uh, base camp in Tibet. But as Kenny says, it's who you travel with. You want to travel with people that you know, as she said, have the same interest to you. So where are you off to? Finally, last question, Kenny, where are you off to next? Have you decided? Um, yes, I've decided to do one international marathon a year 
and I'm hoping to do Sydney Marathon this year uh, in September. I've been to Australia before, but I never ran the marathon. How I choose to travel now is more like it's called runication. So you run as part and parcel of a vacation, and also I run as part and parcel of doing all my community impact work. And I'm hoping to do the trip with you to South America, Mama Kay. Absolutely. I hope so, too. Kenya, you are a total inspiration and long, long may you keep running, climbing mountains and being a role model for so many thousands and thousands of people, not just young women. Thank you. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart. The adventure starts here. Kate Turkington, 101.9, High FM. We've come to that part of the program where we talk about books. As I say, books for armchair travelling, books for reading on a plane. If you are lucky enough to be able to read in a vehicle, which I'm not, I so envy people who can read when they're travelling by car, not when they're driving, obviously. But books, whatever. And this book I have found absolutely fascinating. It's Kurs Becker's Billions, uh, written author T.J. Stratham, published by Penguin. And it's about the making of a billionaire, billion, billion, billionaire. Now, Kurs Becker has amassed one of the largest fortunes ever by a South African, yet he's a very private quiet man. Not a lot is known about him. But how did he do it? Well, he made all kinds of investments, including some very bad investments, a few mediocre ones, a few good ones. And then, as T.J. Stradham, the author, says, one that shot the lights out. He placed a very modest bet on Chinese uh, technology startup Ten Cent, and the author Arsenson in the book he discusses was it genius, was it strategy, or was it just plain good old luck? I mean, the story the the rest is history. So what the author does, what T.J. Stratham does, he goes into Becker's life, his career, his business. Uh, decisions. And he identifies, and I'll tell you what some of those are in a moment, he identifies 15 winning strategies, business strategies, each calculated, each effective, that catapulted this Heidelberg Burrison, if you like, into actually unfathomable wealth. 
So this is, the whole book is a very fascinating look into the life of a very private billionaire. I've, I've marked some of the pages which really, which really fascinated me. Um, his approach, as I say, uh, as I say, distills those 15 strategies. If you, if you like, you can call it how to make billions, um, list. Uh, and the first is get paid like an entrepreneur, but I'll come back to that. But he was, he was talking to a group of MBA, um, students. I'm just trying to find it here in the, uh, book in the Netherlands a few years ago, had a room full of MBA graduates in front of him. He said, and I quote, when you make the first few million euros, it's going to change your life totally. You can look after your parents. You can eat in any restaurant in the world. You can travel for a holiday. And he finally said, it gives you liberty. And he Use that freedom, obviously, to build him a career that brought him even bigger financial rewards. But he went on to say to these MBA students, and I quote again, so the first million is very important, but then there's a diminishing return. Between 10 million euros and 100 million, nothing much happens. Between 100 million and 200 million, absolutely Nothing happens, right? And then he goes on, beyond a certain point, money is pretty pointless and certainly not worth devoting your life to. Now, isn't that interesting? You make, he made bad investments, he lost a lot of money, he made good investments, he made that one, as the author says, that uh, shot the lights out. And just think about some of his companies, Mnet, Mweb, Naspers, uh, and I found out recently, do you remember Kalahari.com, when we started shopping online uh, during um, lockdown, Kalahari.com was, uh, was a big provider of goods. What did Chris Becker do? He had a little company at the time, Take-A-Lot. He bought up Kalahari.com and look where take a lot is today. Mind you, with Amazon coming in, it's going to be very interesting to see where uh, take a lot goes. So lots of good advice. I like this one. He says, identify walls for spaghetti. What does that mean? He said the group internet approach is basically to throw spaghetti against the wall as fast as possible some pieces stick and some pieces uh, fall off. And he goes on to say later in his life, our biggest success actually in China was that we failed so early and so spectacularly. And that caused a certain humility in us to change our policy. Because what T.J. Stratum explains, they went into, Kurt Becker and his associates, went into China with South African managers, South African ways of doing business, South African doing this and that, and they failed totally. What he learned 
what the business learnt was you go in and you use the local people, you use their expertise, you learn. You learn from they, you learn from the best people who have been doing it for so long. So his 15 strategies that um, T.J. Stratham has identified, as I say, the book is called Kurs Becker's Billions uh, by T.J. Stratham. These are some of them. Get paid like an entrepreneur. Uh, don't get paid like a boss. Um, convince others you can do magic. Apparently, he was at school, he was the head prefect, he was head of the de debating society in Heidelberg. He eventually gave the school billions. So if you've got somebody good in your school, look after them uh, when they're young because you'll get a good reward uh, finally. And remember the, the DSTV, isn't the brand Let's Make Magic or Let's Do uh, Magic? I know magic comes into the brand somewhere. Reshape your company if you need to. Don't keep carrying on same old, same old, same old. Identify, identify walls for spaghetti. Uh, we talked about that. Hold on when you have something great. The 10 cent thing, the advice uh, T.J. Straden gets out of watching and listening and um, researching Chris Becker is don't get hold of something and then throw it away if it doesn't make quick bucks. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Obviously, you've got to know what to hold on to, the right things. Take charge. Lock in control. Very good one here. Survive your failures. Everybody can fail at some stage. Of course we are. We all fail at something or other. But you learn from them. If you're sensible, you're going to learn from them. Look after your corporate governance. Look after your corporate governments. And a very good one about publicity. He says publicity is your frenemy. In other words, it can be your friend. It can also be your enemy. Understand how the media works and if you can use it to your advantage and as I said of course Chris Becker was um, was head of MNET for a very long uh, time uh, go big when you can afford to lose go big when you can afford to lose so if you do lose it's not going to be the end of your business and it might make you it might make you a lot of money you've got to have a lot of audacity you've got to, you've got to have a lot of courage uh, to do this so each chapter in TJ Straden's so explains this explains this uh, strategy he says that mnet was a success because becker and his team built it from the ground up. Now, this isn't going into another country and taking in all South African people and team. This was starting in South Africa. So they designed a company in South Africa for the South African market to be run by South Africans. And that's, that's exactly uh, what happened. Took Becker... Uh, Stratum says some time to identify uh, that philosophy but he learnt as CEO of Nespers that he learnt from that whole China experience to back 
local people who knew their markets and knew how to deal uh, with things uh, there. And there's just a, a couple of more remarks from Tom Foslow, um, who was one of his early backers. And Coors says, in business, Coors did not hesitate not to... Um, uh, Coors, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Tom Fosler, sorry. Tom Fosler was his early backer. And he said, and I quote, in business, Coors did not hesitate to risk big money in the pursuit of opportunities. This approach has cost NASPA's shareholders billions of rands over the years, but earned them billions more. So, fascinating book. If you're interested at all in business, if you're interested in how one uh, boyke from uh, Heidelberg became one of the world, certainly one of South Africa's richest men, modest man, quiet, doesn't seek publicity. And when T.J. Strain got hold of him and said, look, I'm writing a book about you, um, uh, do you mind? And... Um, Becker, he says, wasn't exactly friendly, nor was he nasty, just direct. He didn't say bye, only bester. Okay, that's all for this week. We've covered a lot of ground. There was a lot more I would have liked to have told you about the uh, Northern Cape. As, as I say, you can always get hold of me at kate at dot. Today, remember how to find the podcast now. You just go on to highfm.com, find the weekly program, find me on a Sunday at noon, click on it, and all the podcasts will uh, come up. Next week, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. It's lovely. Uh, so many places to talk about, so many things to do, so much still. Uh, to see. Many people often ask me, have you lost your sense of wonder? Never, 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 never will I lose my sense of wonder. And I know you won't either. So lots of love, lots of light, travel safely, take care and take care of others too. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart. The adventure starts here.